his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. You're listening to Bread for the People. I'm Jim Serpico. We have a very special episode today. I'm replaying my conversation with my friend, Jeanette Candido, the founder of the Granola Plant. I met Jeanette a little over three years ago at a now defunct farmer's market called the Garden Farmer's Market of Pachog. A lot of controversy with the farmer's market manager uh, a lot of accusations over the handling and refunding and non-refunding of some money at that market but needless to say I met a lot of friends at this farmer's market and Jeanette was one of them before I get to my conversation with Jeanette I thought I'd bring you guys up to speed on my bakery side hustle bread for those of you who are regular listeners, you know I am a semi-professional baker. While I have a day job, I also have a night job. I spend a lot of hours baking bread. I bake bread most days and nights. Um, trying to get my 50,000 hours in uh, baking bread. So, I started doing farmer's markets with bread tables and uh, we were starting to have some success between the Instagram um, and our marketing efforts and I guess people enjoy the taste of our bread and enjoy the voice of our company and you know we, we had a following and we still have a following and we still do bread tables but about five months ago I really wanted to I had the itch to, to open a cafe and serve food and sandwiches on the bread I bake. So I went in search of a food truck, and I found one on Facebook Marketplace. And I bought this trailer in New Jersey. I live in Long Island, New York. Uh, this trailer was about two hours away. I, d I didn't have a lot of experience. I didn't know what I was looking for, but the trailer was marketed uh, for that price I mentioned, a little over 10000 of having full electrical system, three-sink compartment, hot water heater, and ready-to-pass ready inspections. So it sounded to me like a good deal. I went and I, I picked up this trailer, and I brought it home. And then within a month, I realized by talking to uh, a food truck consultant from Tri-State food truck consultings named Danny Isaacs. Danny is a guy I love. Uh, he has really showed me the ropes. But uh, he informed me that this truck would never pass inspection in Suffolk County, Nassau County, or anywhere in New York State because it just was not up to the standards and the specs that our state of New York requires. So other than the sink, every single thing had to be ripped out of this truck. And... 
I had to order commercial refrigeration. We had to rewire the electrical, install a new breaker box. Uh, you know, then I needed the oven. I, I decided to go with the Gosney Dome oven because I was occasionally going to make pizzas. Uh, and the the anchor of this whole concept was this focaccia bread uh, or scacciata bread that I make my sandwiches on. I don't give people a choice of what kind of bread they're going to get. They're going to get my scacciata sandwiches. And I use the, the pizza oven to warm up the bread that is baked previously at my facility in the morning. So, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a popular sandwich shop in Florence who ha- they have opened in New York City. They just opened in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I really have worked hard on getting this scacciata bread as good as I can get it, and I'm very happy with the result, and my customers seem to be very happy with the result at this point. Um, so I got this truck in April, and it took about three months to, you know, install everything, get all the parts. We had to install the air conditioner, the exhaust fan. Uh, we had to reinforce the walls. It's a, it's a 1993 Wells Cargo trailer, right? So it's not like the newest thing out there. But Wells Cargo is a, a very good brand. Um, so three months and an, an additional $30,000 later, my truck passes inspection in Suffolk County, which is one of the hardest, if not the hardest county in the entire country to pass. And once you pass Suffolk, you can pretty much pass anywhere. And I got my permits for Suffolk County, New York. I got my Nassau County, New York permits. And I was very excited to hit the road with the truck. And I, uh, I, I chose and applied for an Italian festival in West Hampstead, which is about 20 to 25 minutes from where I live. And obviously my scacciata sandwiches have an Italian bent, right? I use only the finest imported Italian products, prosciutto di Parma, mortadella, fresh mozzarella, aged provolone. Uh, I make my own pistachio paste. I make my own olive tapenade. I buy top-of-the-line Partana olive oil. I have the balsamic glaze. I've got the hot cherry peppers. I do roasted pork. Um, I do turkey now because I realized, you know, not everybody, including Italians, even know what mortadella is. So uh, I, I needed to, to play to the mainstream a little more, and I may have to do that even more in the future. But I added turkey to the repertoire, and it's one of the most popular sandwiches we offer. But... Jumping back to the beginning of this truck journey, and, and why am I telling you this? Because um, I think it does relate to my conversation with Jeanette about doing farmer's markets. Uh, we, we, we like to say that our conversation may inspire you to be a farmer's market vendor or deter you uh, from being a farmer's market vendor. Uh, my story about my food truck may do the same. So... I'm all excited. It's my first event. It's a four-day Italian festival in West Hempstead. For the first time, I have to guesstimate how many pounds of prosciutto di Palma I have to order, and we have to slice thin. How thin? Well, as thin as you could possibly slice it without it falling apart. The same with the mortadella. How much bread do I need to bake? 
each day, four days in a row. How am I going to bake the bread, load it onto the truck, and get to this festival in time? And by the way, these festivals, when they're four days, you usually leave the truck there. And, you know, some of them are really good communicators. Some aren't. Some you pay for electricity overnight and you patch your truck into the electric lines. Some say there's absolutely no electricity. So then you have to, you know, jockey and make sure you're gassed up and have your generating run, generator running four days in a row. Uh, and it's basically, even, even though it's a food truck and it's like, all right, it's a kitchen on wheels. It's got your storage. It's got, you're still setting it up and breaking it down each night. You got to clean the shit out of it. You, you have to prep it uh, like it's new each day. Uh, you have, even though we have our annual permits and inspections, the county shows up to these things and inspects you at, at each one of them. Um, and it's not easy. That's what I learned the first weekend. It's, it's nothing about it is easy. I'm not here to complain. I'm five months in, and I, I'd like it. But at the same time, I want to give you guys a little taste of, of what it's like, right? So I, I go big. I go big because this is the Feast of the Giglio. The Feast of the Giglio uh, is a feast that's in many cities in the northeast and maybe other parts of the country, but I know Boston... New York City has about four or five of them. Long Island has two or three of them. The Feast of the Giglio is where a church will build a wooden statue of the St. Giglio that's about 200 feet high in the air out of wood. And on the bottom resides a platform where they put an eight-piece band. And it, this, is, this thing weighs a ton, okay? And it takes about 250 Men, it's only men who come and carry the Giglio, but they at all these feasts of the Giglio, they all bring their families and their extended families and their friends, and it's an honor to to carry the Giglio, and they carry this thing for four hours, so it draws people, it draws people because they know, first of all, they're into the tradition, they're into the church. They're into the food, the rides. It's a great family experience. So they're often very well attended. Now, of, at the four-day event, the, the Jiglio carrying is usually on day three. So everything's leading up to day three. Day three is going to be packed. You've never seen anything like this, they tell me. So day one, I've got, I don't know, 10 pounds of everything. I've got... I don't know, 15 loaves of scotchata. Each scotchata is a, is a full sheet pan and, and produces enough bread to make 20 sandwiches times 15, right? So you could do the math. I got a lot of stuff, and I got to do this every day now. I got to rebake the 15 sheets. I got to make sure I have enough. I got to cut new cold cuts. Uh, so we get there day one. I, I believe it was a Friday or something, and it's raining. It's raining. And I was like, ah, what can you do, man? It's the weather. The weather tomorrow is going to be great. Tomorrow's going to be great. 
It was Thursday, actually. I remember it was a Thursday night. So I'll tell you why I remember. Uh, but before we get to that, so now we go to Friday. I do I re I didn't use all this bread. No, I got to throw it out. Do I bake new bread? I I wrapped it up in plastic bags. I could reheat it, refresh it. So I baked a little less bread the next day and kept a few sheets from Thursday's bread to uh, to use if I had to. If I got into an emergency situation and uh, we get there Friday morning, a few people at the fair, but it's a little too early for lunch. And then uh, it's lunchtime and it rains. Everyone leaves. <laughs> um, needless to say, I did not break into the yesterday stash, the Thursday stash. I, I had more than enough Friday bread because nobody came to this festival on Friday because it was raining. It was June. It was the summer. But, you know, they they assured me that... Saturday was going to be the big day because they're carrying the Giglio. They're carrying the statue. And you can see it. It's on the grounds. It's 250 feet high in the air. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how is it possible that this thing is going to be lifted. I don't care how many men you have in a band and, and people speaking and they're going to do laps around the fairgrounds with this thing for four hours. This is crazy. It's going to take a lot of people. But I'm now excited because finally I'm going to be tested. Can I meet the demand of Italians coming from everywhere to carry this statue and eat my sandwiches? Because that's the other thing. Besides me, there were other food vendors, but it's a lot of fried shit, you know? A lot of greasy fried stuff. Uh, so I was very excited to be a different alternative to what they're used to seeing but something they're very familiar with. Um, so Saturday comes, and one by one, family by family, the men show up in their their shirts. They're all wearing the same kind of shirts. Uh, they got their stuff. They're wearing a handkerchief around their neck. They give you a handkerchief if you're carrying the Giglio, and they give you you get a T-shirt that you. You, you drop a donation, they give you a T-shirt that says, I'm carrying the Giglio, my son Miles. We, we all got excited. We're like, we're gonna see, this is crazy. He, he carried the Giglio. We wanted someone from our family in on carrying the Giglio. Um, it was exciting. Everything about this day is like, finally, here we are. We got the food truck. We got a lot of bread. I think I baked 20 sheets of scotch out of that day. And families are showing up. Uh generations of Italians, young, old, men, women, children, and the band's walking around playing in the street, and it's exciting, and we're gearing up. They they carry this thing, or they're supposed to carry this thing for laps for four hours, and they take occasional breaks, and between the breaks, the men and their families have to eat. So here we go. Uh, Miles gets in there. Miles is about my height. He's about five foot five. We're a little shorter than the average Giglio carrier. So uh, he, he kind of runs towards the back. He's a little intimidated. He has no experience carrying the Giglio. The band starts to play. There's a guy in the front. He, he's like a conductor. With a, He's a conductor. 
how do I describe it? With, with an attitude of control, and he's very serious about his Giglio direction giving. He gets the crowd to be quiet. He waves his arms in different directions, and he's literally directing, like he's steering a wheel, these 250 men carrying this 250 feet high statue in the air, and they start marching. And the band's sitting on it, an eight-piece band playing. And uh, there's a guy between songs who stands on a microphone, and he, he kind of gives a sermon. He says inspiring things, and they carry this giglio. And um, it's almost like if you, if you imagine the fair set up like a track, and there's rides, and there's food trucks, and there's stands. Uh, in the middle. Right, and they carry it around. It's less than a, an average track's a quarter mile, right? So this is like twenty percent uh, of that. Uh, I can't really do that math in in mileage, but you you imagine it's a decent sized fair. They're going to be carrying it around this track for four hours. It had just rained, by the way, for for the last couple of days, so there's still some puddles around. And you know, when it's that wide and big, and two hundred and fifty men are carrying. The statue, not everyone could see the puddles. And uh, needless to say, they start the march, and they're going, and the thing circles. And I'm on the complete other side. I'm 180 degrees on the other side. So once they start that turn around the circle, they pass me. And all 250 men see my food truck and my signs and my giant sandwiches that are wrapped on the wall. And uh, my giant menu and my lights. And I got my prosciutto bread out on the tables. And they come around and they're looking at it. And then they go past me. The band's playing. They make a turn. And there's a giant puddle, okay? <laughs> I mean like a 15-foot puddle that, you know, 25% of the guys have to step through. And they make the turn. And <laughs> you hear crack. And you look up. And the jiglio. 250 feet in the air, starts starts to slant, almost like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and the guy in the front who's conducting it blows a whistle, and he says something in Italian that means drop it. So they put it down, and there's, there's uh, I don't know, 50 guys standing in a puddle that they didn't even know was there. They're all looking down. Their pants are wet. Their shoes are wet for the day. Uh... I'm sitting there. Is my son, Miles, hurt? Now, the, the statue didn't exactly fall, but there was a crack, and it sounded like it could fall. So people start to disperse, and they take a look, and then uh, a, a special Italian man appears. I don't know where he came from, but he's the guy who's going to assess the situation. And he looks up. He goes to talk to some guys, and the statue's now sitting there for a half hour, and everyone's confused. No one is in the mood to buy scotch out of sandwiches from me or, or get on rides or anything because they, they wanted to carry the statue for four hours. Um, he goes away. He comes back. The conductor blows the whistle, and the special Italian man says, uh, It's a no good. It's not safe. It's over. 
you know, there's a groan in the crowd. And I go up to somebody in the back. I go, what does this mean? What's going on? What's going on? And they go, what do you mean? What does it mean? You speak English? It's no good. The thing's going to break. We can't carry the statue. So what are they going to do? So uh, they get a bunch of jacks. They jack it up all four corners. And they pull it down. And the carrying of the jiggler was canceled. And everybody leaves. <laughs> Everyone leaves the fair. Because if there's no carrying of the Jiglio, they don't need to be sitting there all day at a carnival in a parking lot in West Hempstead. So everyone everyone leaves. And I, I'm sitting there. Now, I got three days worth of bread in my trailer. I got pounds and pounds of cold cuts. This is my first experience with the food truck. And it's sunny out. But uh, that no one's there. So now I, I'm scratching my head, and this is how I'm spending my weekend. This is the business I'm getting myself into. And they go, Jim, don't worry. You're going to get it t- tomorrow. You're going to make And by the way, I think I paid 1500 or $2,000 to be at this festival. You know, like these feasts and Italian feasts and fairs are not cheap. So they're telling me the next day, Sunday is Father's Day. Father's Day is going to be packed because they, they literally say this to me. And this is where I knew it was bullshit. They go, <laughs> divorced dads are looking for something to do with their kids. And I'm like, you guys are out of your fucking minds. Divorced dads? That, I'm hoping that that's my market on Sunday to, to break even or to come close to breaking even here. That you're telling me divorced dads are going to come and buy sandwiches in a parking lot in West Hempstead? And now I'm like, I'm freaking out a little bit because I've sacrificed a lot to get to this point. And I'm spending Father's Day with my kids, helping me on a truck. And sure enough, nobody fucking comes. <laughs> I'm in a parking lot. And they were eight hours long. You can't leave early. Even if you said, I'm leaving no matter what you say, you can't. Because you're wedged in between, between uh, water balloon guns and, you know, sledgehammer, guess your weight, whatever, man. I'm a carny making no money trying to sell sandwiches in a parking lot in West Hempstead. And it rains two of the four days. The Giglio statue cracks. And the divorced dads don't show up. And that's my first weekend on the food truck. And it kind of sums up how the summer has gone. Now, I'm not here to say I'm getting out of the mobile cafe business. But I am here to say that you have no control as a food truck owner When God decides it's going to rain. And God decided it was going to rain. 75% of the weekend days I had my food truck booked out this summer. So I would like to say to God right now, I am not very happy with you about making that decision. I'm sure there's a reason that you had it rain on me all summer. I just haven't yet figured out what it was or is. 
Okay. Uh, this summer has been disappointing. Uh, incredibly unpredictable. But I'm in it to win it. Please enjoy my conversation with Jeanette Candido. My name's Jim Serpico, and this... Should I start with my name? Or should I start with this is Bread for the People? Do you like it like this? Welcome to Bread. Or do you like it like this? Welcome. Ready? Welcome to Bread for the People. My Is there a script? You're scared? What's there to be scared about? (laughs) Because we can go into really... Well, we're not going to go in one that I know about. Don't worry about that. That's not not the purpose of this. The purpose of this, really, you know, when I started getting into the bread thing about two years ago now, I had never even baked bread, let alone gone to farmer's markets uh, as a vendor. And it wasn't until Instagram and we were posting pictures that somebody in Lindenhurst who ran a market, it was actually their granddaughter, came to us and said, hey, would you like to do our farmer's market? And that was the first time the light bulb went off. And we even thought that that was a thing, you know, or we knew it was a thing and we tried it. And we're baking bread out of our house at that point. And we bring like 60 loaves and we sell them all. And we're like, this is great. You know, you go in so wide-eyed at that point because we knew nothing about it. And now two years in, I'm a tiny bit jaded. <laughs> <laughs> but but to be honest with you, it's our main revenue source to this day. Um, so all that being said, the purpose of this episode and talking to you and other vendors that do other things in farmer's markets is um, to maybe inspire some other people across the country who might listen and you know, make a product, uh, handcrafted, uh, maybe it's a craft vendor, maybe it's another granola vendor like you. Um, and for those who don't know, Jeanette is the founder of Granola Plant and um, has, I know her from the farmer's market circuit and I'd like to learn more about her today. Um, so that's it. Maybe we'll inspire some people, you know, the, the good and the bad about farmer's markets. I know we must like it enough to keep doing it. Blunt the punishment. Yeah. 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 No. And the way I started was uh, during COVID. Prior to that, you know, my whole working life was working for mom and pop contractors. So it was five, six day a week. So when you say working for contractors, you mean nothing to do with granola or food? No. No. I did catering on the side because I love to cook. Okay. And everybody loves my cooking. So, you know, it started just, you know, oh, well, you cook for this party for me. I'm having this. I'm doing this. So I, I was doing that on the side because that's really my my thing. I love to cook. So, but I was always locked into these five, six day a week jobs. The last one that I was at before when COVID happened, I was there 10 years. And it was just like really consuming. You know, I got paid really well, but it was like. I never saw myself getting out of it because I was so tied to these jobs. You know, I ran offices. I was, most of the contractors I worked for were like, you know, one woman operations pretty much inside. So I did everything. And Mm. when COVID happened, I never had so much time off in my life, you know? 
And at that point, I started thinking, I don't want to go back to sitting in an office. Wow. And I had heard on the news or wherever that farmers markets were still allowed to operate. Right. So I went online. I went to the New York State website. I did. I do not have a 20C license. So I went to the list of what I could do with a food home processors certificate. Right. And looked at the list and granola was on there. And I'd been making granola um, at home, you know, for my my son or my kids or whatever. And I was like, I could do that and just jumped in blind. I had no friggin' idea what I was doing. I didn't know that. So when we met, it was around that time. You had just started? I just started. I didn't know that. I thought you were in this much longer than me. No, 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 no. Well, at least you looked up the licensing. I didn't even know to look it up. And I just started making bread. Yeah. With no license. You know, without trying to break laws on purpose or do anything that was wrong. I was just doing what I was doing. And nobody even asked me for a license for a long time. No, at that time, we were kind of lucky because, I mean, I was able to do the home food processors thing online. No big deal. But I had not a clue about, you know, the insurance or the food handler certificate you're supposed to have. I mean, no, there was nobody answering the phone, you know, where you could call and ask anybody. Right. So, I mean, I I was like packing granola in Ziploc bags when I first started. <laughs> so you would you would show up to the markets with Ziploc bags of granola? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Pretty much. And, um, you know, it was just sitting around the living room one night and, you know, what should we name this? And, you know, all over the place with that. And, you know, oh, you need, you know, you need a logo and the branding and everything. And, you know, my kids knew I liked bears and they would, Michael came up with the bear and I was like, all right. You know, it was <laughs> very little thought, just never thinking I was just going to do that while we were out with COVID. I didn't yeah. want to just like do nothing. I, yeah. you know, keep this up. And it took off. So you started with one farmer's market? I started with one farmer's market, Huntington, on Saturdays. Okay. That first summer. Okay, so you started the, probably the summer. No, it was the same summer. Same summer, yeah. This is my third summer, yeah. Wow, and then we met in the winter at another market. So you added a second market? So before, no, then I added Southampton. Okay. And, you know, that was, you know, talk about rose-colored glasses because everybody was out in the Hamptons during COVID because everybody, you know, left Manhattan. So it was like, I, I couldn't make enough. Right. But it was like, you know, 24 seven awake all night long, just, you know, doing it and figuring it out and trying to get supplies and buying things the wrong way, you know, and just doing everything wrong pretty much just to keep doing it. Right. So, so to, to go back and paint that scene, there was a mass exodus out of Manhattan. Yes. And all the wealthy people that had these second homes in the Hamptons just went out there and moved out there. They just yes. left and they were going to these outdoor markets because they weren't yep. indoors. It was right. something to do. They needed something to do. And they would hit this market and it was probably more business than that market ever had. <laughs> COVID was one of the best things that ever happened to that market. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. 
So I was, you know, really lucky that I was able to get into that market. And so I was doing Huntington in that market. Then I got a couple of wholesale accounts. Well, let me let me ask you right there, though. I know that market because I did that market with you last summer. There's some people involved in that market that really know what they're doing. So at that point, were there any like mentors that that would say to you, you know, you should really think about this license or do this and that? Like, where did you learn that part of it? So shout out to dana from the soothery she has a soap company she now has a brick and mortar in northport and she was really my mentor in the beginning we were next to each other in huntington and then we did the hampton bays market on thursdays together and she just was a wealth load of information i mean she helped me so greatly because she's a dynamite girl and she knows resources Right. She she knows the resources. So she was the first one really to like go, okay, no, 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 this is what you need to do. And you need to square, just do it right now. You could do it right now. You know, she just really kind of helped me through it all. It, it was it was great because you don't know. Like, and there's nobody that, you know, you could call like New York State and be like, all right, now what do I need to do? So she was the first one that really taught me the ropes about what I need to do. One of the cool things about the market circuit is the camaraderie that you oh. could find yes. right there's some yes. really great people and great vendors and i would say i would say the majority of them are very supportive and and would certainly help you out for sure yeah yeah and by the way we, we'll get to this right now you were one of those people for me you were one of the first people to help me and i'll never forget that and i appreciate that we, we were at a market together we, there was some ups and downs there um, mm -hmm. but, uh, definitely glad to have met you there and, and stay in touch. And we share resources about what markets going on here that I might not heard about. We, we live probably 15 miles from each other, but you're yep. in different circuits and circles than I am. And, um, right. it's nice right. to have people that you could bounce things off of. Oh yeah. No, without a doubt. And I consider you guys, you know, really good friends within the market. And I've been so lucky that I do have a, a really good circle that is so supportive and just have your back. Um, and just, you know, like, like you said, like, you know, you bounce things off of each other and, and, you know, then there's a lot of times they'll be like, oh, don't do that. You know, don't do that event. That event's this, so this is this. And because it is just a learning curve the whole time. Like you just don't know. And for me, I, I kind of at the beginning saw other bread vendors uh, as a threat to me. And then I was kind of forced upon some other bread vendors in the Port Jefferson, Long Island market and became friendly with the other bread vendors. And it's right. uh, that could be cool, too. Meeting other bread makers. You yeah, know? I have definitely found that one thing I've learned is stop comparing to anybody else. Right. You know, you have your. Um, vision of how you want your company to be right and i think you know you definitely have the whole package as far as branding and it suits your person it's you you know what right. i mean like right there's nothing about your company that isn't who you are right i i know i've like definitely had moments where you're know, looking at what other companies are doing and being like what am I doing wrong? I should oh, be yeah. doing this. I should be doing that. And then it's like you wheel yourself in. You go, no, wait a minute. This is where I want to be. I, for me personally, my got my goal was never to be wholesale, right? I don't. I'm not set up like that. I'm gonna be 57 this year. I just want 
to two things, not have to work for anybody else anymore and be able to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to take over the world. I'm not looking, you know, with granola. I'm not looking to make millions and millions of dollars. I just want to be able to enjoy it and be proud of what I'm doing. And it's very, it's really easy to lose sight of that when, especially when things aren't as great as you would hope they would be. You know, like now is a rough, this this season's been a little rough, just pricing of everything going up. Oh, yeah. And just with the economy and stuff. Um, but you just have to, you know. It's it's definitely different than it was. Yeah. When we first started, you know, and I could speak for myself, our home delivery was through the roof. Yeah. And part of that was we were scared to go to grocery stores, right? Absolutely. We were... I remember wearing masks and rubber gloves, you know, going into the super. We didn't know what the hell was happening. And just like everyone else around here in Long Island. And people were happy to have bread dropped off. Um, My delivery had certainly dropped big time. Yeah. But we still have it. We still have some, but it's not as big as it was. But our farmer's market continues to be strong, I think, because of the brand recognition. Absolutely. Yeah. People out looking for you in Southampton. Yeah. I've definitely had people be like, you know, where's the bread guy that was out, you know, by the street? I'm like, oh, that's nice to hear. <laughs> I mean, for those listening, we, we made a decision not to go to Southampton. Um, we loved that market. Yeah. And we did pretty well at that market. But it was an hour and 15 minutes from our home base. Each way, got to pack up. It, it, that's the other thing. You, you, you think about going into this business and maybe you hear it's a four-hour market or a five-hour market. It's a long day. It ends up being eight to ten hours. Yeah. Plus yeah. all the prep. Right, exactly. <laughs> and now with the price of gas, like I oh. never before thought to myself, hmm, you know, it's kind of, should I, you know, $25 in gas, you know, the, whatever it might be, the price for the event, is it going to be worth it? Whereas before it was just like, well, I'm not going to make any money sitting home on the couch. I'm just going to go. Right. And now I'm totally yeah, rethinking things. And, you know, um, when I have to make deliveries, it's fit into when I'm going to be in that area. It's no, you know, because and a lot of, um, you know, people have said to me, you know, oh, so many of the vendors are charging delivery charges now. I try not to do that if I'm going to do it like on the way, you know, like I have a delivery to make Thursday in Watermill and I'm going to go to the Hampton Bays market. So, so that delivery you're talking about, is that to an individual residence or is that to no, a business? No, no, no. It's to a, yeah, it's to a farmer's market. It's to a um, farm stand. So you're saying vendors are charging farm stands for deliveries? Yes. Really? Yeah. It's so funny because my wife brought that idea up to me and I was like, you can't do that. I feel the same way. And the other thing, too, is I had told you, I encouraged you to do the Southampton market because the first year that I did it, there was no bread vendor there. <laughs> now, you know, there's so many vendors, right? So many vendors. Well, the year I got there, there were three of us. Right, exactly. I appreciate when people want to stock my items. I don't take it for granted because I know that, you know, if you push the envelope, there's always somebody else that they could get in there. Absolutely. You know? So I try to be accommodating. Um, but that's the whole thing with wholesale, too, which is why it was never really the direction. I, I mean, and I love the markets. I mean, you know, I love the markets. 
I love hanging out with everybody. I love I love hearing from the customers that they love the product or talking to them about the product. You know, when you do wholesale, it's like you drop it off and it's like you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I mean, we differ a little bit. I do like the market. My product is very perishable. Right. And uh, right now, for the most part, uh, it's my hands on that product. So it has to be done. I know your hands are on your product too, but Saturdays I'm still baking for Sunday. So I can't even physically do a Saturday market right. uh, unless I figure out something nuts, like like literally bake at one in the morning through four in the morning or something, you know? And, yeah. You know? Um, well, that's the problem too. Fine. You know, you've been pretty lucky finding it somebody to it's my sister comes and helps me. She just walked in the door. She's here now. <laughs> she's packing granola at the table um but everyone's like no you need to get somebody to do the markets for you and i'm like that that's my downtime <laughs> that's my only downtime is sitting at the markets yeah i have been lucky with that shout out to amanda suchi and uh and and the whole family yeah actually yeah, yeah. works and helps us out you know we we also differ a little bit i i i tend to have a take over the world mentality all the time it's hard for me not to go all in. But right. we both started without a real plan. While I have that mentality of take over the world, I have tried things that have failed. So the mindset con continues to evolve and change. You know, I don't know how I feel about wholesale right now. Right. But in bread, if you want to grow, you have to make choices. You have to do something else besides, you have to have a cafe that sells other things or you have to have wholesale accounts. And to yeah. do all that and expand the volume, then you need a physical location with a lot more ovens and a lot more staff. Then that that's that's kind of where we're at this crossroads and we're kind of stuck. I agree because the thing that with the markets is, you know, you dependent on the weather. You know, it, it's like, you know, you have two bad weekends in a row and then it's like you're in trouble. I me personally. Right. You know, it's like this is not good. So I do have um a really good wholesale account, Taste of New York. They order, I mean, constantly. I can't believe the stuff that they're selling over there. It's awesome, but it's consuming as well because when they order, you know, they're ordering 100 granola bars at a time. They're ordering 70 bags of granola at a time. So this is pulling from my, what I have on my table at the markets because I could still only do so much. You know, another thing with our location, like me, I'm not really anywhere near any of the good commercial kitchens right so you know now i'm going to be driving an hour and a half right you know round trip to use the commercial kitchens and you're locked into a schedule and there aren't even that many of them right no the, the most well-known one is the one in calverton the incubator yeah and then there's one in farmingdale that a bunch of people use the financial thing too you know that, that's another bill it's a big bill i mean i know you'd be able to probably make a lot more i don't know i you know i weigh all this too and then i think i have so many Vendor friends that are like, you know, um, like, you know, Febra with the dog treat and, um, you know, about doing a, a pet friendly cafe, you know, that would be, you know, like a, a coffee kind of parfait. I could sell my products, maybe do a little bit more than granola. We don't have too many pet friendly cafes here on Long Island that are like somewhere where you're going to get uh, foot traffic. Right. But, you know, what does it take to make money? It takes a lot of volume. Yeah. A lot of volume, uh, especially where we live, the rent is unbelievably oh. high. For those of you that don't know, we live in Long Island, New York, suburbs of New York City. So let's talk about your product a little bit and, and exactly what you're, you're putting together and selling. 
So what makes my granola different than probably anybody else's is I use dates instead of oil and processed sugar. So I'm soaking the dates, I'm making a puree, and that's what I use. And people love that because- Why do you do that? Um, To eliminate the oil. And I started getting like, I started cooking a lot with dates when my son and I went plant-based for a little bit in 2015. And um, and it's awesome. And it's, it's definitely, you know, I tell people it's sweetened with dates. There's no oil. Every granola that you are buying, whether it be- artisan or um in you know in the stores has uh, some kind of oil in it i mean and i get it you know coconut oil is a good oil they say olive oil is a good oil but if you could eliminate it why have it at all in the granola right so um that's kind of what makes our product different than anybody else's it's a hundred percent natural and i you know and i like that i get to like play around and make like now i made a grain-free granola because everybody you know keto and paleo and um, and that's selling like crazy. So that's really good. So I'm also in the process of kind of thinking, okay, I need to, I, I you know, I was making, I, w- I was having like eight different kinds of granolas on my table every week. And I'm like, this is crazy. So, you know, my top sellers, I've have the, had the ones that I've made since the, the beginning. And, um, and then I started making the granola bars, which took off like crazy. I mean, it's been great. I've had such really, really good feedback and I'm proud of it. I mean, I'm really proud of it. I just wish... I could figure out a way to do things even smarter because I know I'm not as far as purchasing only because I mean you're relatively new at it right it's it's you're in your third season so it's not even 3 years now with with the license that you have to be able to process every state's different every county's different are you allowed to ship only to New York you could ship within New York within New York yeah do you do any of that I do yeah, I have the website and I do and I do ship. I don't like I I don't put as much into it as I probably should. Um, I mean, I have a lot of customers on Long Island that order consistently on it. I mean, I know I could try to market the online thing even more, but then I get so busy with what I'm doing. You know, that's the thing. It's like it's only been three years, but yet I can't believe it's three years. <laughs> you know, it goes so fast. Yeah. Now, some people are using Amazon to, to help promote their goods that they make. Have you looked into that? I haven't. No, but I know that that's... uh, And I did uh, download the app called FAIR, F-A-I-R-E. Okay. Um, And they are... And that was something else that Dana had told me about. It's basically mom and pop companies go on this app and order from people like you and me. Really? For their stores. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, It's free to use. They take a small percentage, but it's it's good. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty good. So... So there, I know that there's so many resources, but you know, you know, you know, it's so time consuming sitting in front of your computer, looking into this, looking into that, reading about that. I mean, sometimes I'm, I say to myself, all right, you know, I got to go on and, and look into this and it's three hours later. And it's also uh, you kind of have to keep track of what markets are available to you because it's competitive to get in. Yes. You have to get in at the right time. Absolutely. And and also, like I was saying to somebody on Saturday, I do the Savo market on Saturdays. I love that market. It's a great market. But I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe next season not commit to any one market and float around because there's so many great markets. You might be able to do that. I don't think I can. You know, the bread thing, they're going to take a bread vendor that's going to want to be there every weekend. I I probably the same thing. I don't like, if I say I'm going to be somewhere, I don't like to miss a market. There are a lot of vendors that are like, 
I mean, we know we know one. Sunday, I think he showed up at ten thirty. You, uh, you know me. I'm set up before when you're pulling in. I'm like, it, you're always the first one. <laughs> you are the first one. I'm the second one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I know that in order to grow, you need change. You know, you, you can't sure. keep doing the same thing because the market around us keeps changing. That's the thing. But uh, to any uh, wannabe vendors, I mean, are you happy at the end of the day that you made this decision? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I struggle with it a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways we all right right now, financially, it's it's tough just with the way the economy is. I don't think I'm alone in saying that, but I do not ever want to go back to working for somebody else to sitting in a in an office with no windows and just. Yeah, no, I am. And I, I, I really do love it. I mean, I really do. It's a lot. And sometimes it's really discouraging, but I'm going to keep trying. And it's cool because I know that no matter where I go, I could do this. I think about that, too. Right. Addie was just here from California. And you I know you, you know, go back and forth to Cali all the time. She goes to the markets. She's in San Francisco. And she was like, she came with me when she was here. She came with me to Sayville in Southampton. And she was like, you should see the markets out there. They are packed. packed. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen some of the L.A. ones. I haven't done the San Francisco, but I mean, the one thing I would love to try and I've never done it is bake out in Los Angeles. So if anyone's listening and has a facility that will let me <laughs> give my stuff a try just to bake, we don't have to sell it, just a test bake. Love to see what happens. Right. You know what? There's, who's, what's the name of that guy out there that runs the bakery and he takes in a lot of people that are trying to reform their lives after. Where, in California? No, he's here. He's in L.A. He takes in people trying to reform their lives from prison or... Yes. Okay. I haven't been convicted yet, so I I'm, I don't... But I'm saying, what I'm saying is he's a cool guy and he's got a huge <laughs> facility. Maybe he can hook you up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it. That was painless? That was painless, my friend. Where can people reach you and follow you? Follow me at the Granola Plant on Instagram. They could DM me on there. I have a website, thegranolaplant.com. Um, I'm at the Hampton Bays market on Thursday evenings. I'm at the Setauket market in, on Friday evenings. I'm in Sayville on Saturdays. I'm in Southampton on Sundays. I'm at the Eastport General Store. I'm at Babinski Farm Stand. And I'm at the Taste of New York Welcome Center on the Long Island Expressway. Amazing. A lot of, lot of options to get your stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Keep up the great work and I'll see you soon. All right, Jim. Take care. That was Jeanette Candido of The Granola Plant. Jeanette and I have different styles, sell different products, and have different marketing approaches. But Jeanette is very successful because she's all in and willing to evolve with the changes in our markets and culture, and that's what it takes to thrive in the farmer's market vendor circuit. Be sure to follow Jeanette on Instagram at, at the Granola Plant. This episode was produced and edited by Milestone TV and Film. My name is Jim Serpico from Side Hustle Bread. Blessed be the bread, everyone. <laughs>